This is the first part in a two-part series on money and giving at All People's Church. Now, this is part of the larger series called APC 101, which is for our members or our or people who are checking out membership at All People's Church. Now, the first part for this first talk is on the foundations of money, and the next one will be on giving. Let me make a quick qualification. This is an info dump. This is not a well-tuned sermon that is meant to go for the heart and just focuses on one main point with lots of application and trying to unpack uh, one passage and show Jesus. This is more of an info dump, so there's a lot of information here. So keep that in mind. This will probably take many listens if we want to internalize and let this information shape the way we think and the way we live. I recommend you having a Bible as you uh, listen along if possible. And I just want you to know that a lot of this material has been adapted from a hodgepodge of resources, some being Capitol Hill Baptist Church's core seminar on money, David Platt, Randy Alcorn's teaching from his book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity, and many other places. Here's where we're heading for this talk. Why teach on money? Number one. Number two, God owns everything. Number three, God gives people their wealth as a gift. Four, wealth is dangerous. Five, wealth is temporary but has eternal ramifications. And six, money reveals and guides our hearts. So first of all, why are we talking about money? To be honest, this is one of the most awkward things to talk about because so many there's so much potential for abuse and self-interest even as I talk about it. But I want to express with all my heart that I am teaching on money. And we at APC are going to teach about money regularly as regular as the bible teaches on it um, that's why we're committed to expository preaching because we will teach what the text says and let me give you a little idea of how much the bible talks about money howard dayton notes this that jesus talked much about money 16 of the 38 parables in the gospels were concerned about how to handle money and possessions in the gospels an amazing one out of ten verses that's 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. So as we can see, money is a big deal in the Bible, and all of us know money is a big deal in our lives. So much of our culture and our time circles around money and possessions. And so it makes a lot of sense for us to dig deep and understand how God thinks about money. What, what does he say about it? And I, as one of your pastors or potentially one of your pastors, if we join together in this family at All People's Church, is that I'm concerned for your heart, especially in this money-saturated culture, and I'm concerned for my own heart. None of us are out of the reach of the deceitfulness of riches. And so, before we get into any other talks, points about finances, we want to start from the very bottom level, and that is God owns everything. And if we don't have this, we're not going to get anything that follows. This is foundational. And so, God owns everything. Everything is God's. He's the owner of all wealth. God, God's the owner because he created all things. And so therefore, because he created all things, he has claim on all that he created. He owns it all. Even if we're holding it, he owns it. On the flip side, 
God's ownership means that he doesn't owe anything to his creation. Nothing. God actually told Job in Job 41.11, Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. God doesn't need the wealth of his creation, but it's all his to do whatever he pleases. And everything he created, he called it good. Now, when sin entered the world, it didn't destroy the goodness of wealth. No, listen to Paul in 1 Timothy 4, 5. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. And so these things that God has given us, all, all wealth, all possessions, they are good gifts. However, because of the fall, our hearts are bent inward. And so we take a good gift and we turn it into an ultimate thing. We take a gift and we make it God. We take a created thing and make it the creator for us. And so that is the chief issue here with wealth. See, in fact, wealth can be a very good thing. The enjoyment of wealth can actually bring glory to God. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. See, so side by side, we see that God gives us wealth for our enjoyment, but also that we should not put our hope in wealth. Now, we're not going to have time in this teaching to unpack what does it look like to responsibly enjoy wealth in a way that glorifies God and does not destroy our hearts and neglect all the needs in the world. But that is something that I must hold up. It's a gift and a gift, and it should be enjoyed. Some Christians actually promote the idea of living in poverty and that God is pleased with poverty. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Self-denial is commanded in Scripture, and that's for sure. And, and in Scripture, people who are godly and following Jesus may go under some severe poverty, and that's not a sign that God is displeased with them. But just like wealth can be used for good or for bad, self-denial is the same. The ascetic, you know, who just views suffering as a way to like atone for their sin, and the poorer they are, the more simply they live, they think God is more pleased with them. This ends up building a self-reliance on their own self instead of Jesus's righteousness, unless instead of Jesus's holiness. And it actually ends up turning us away from the grace of God instead of pleasing Him. So perhaps as you're listening, you uh, fall into that kind of spectrum. And, and that's actually personally my struggle is at one level is that I think self-denial is inherently pleasing to God. But self-denial or simplicity only is as good as it, it leads to something else. And so if you're withholding to withhold sake, that's not helpful. But if you're withholding so you can be generous, now that is pleasing. And so bottom line, God owns everything. You may have your name on that bank account. That check may be written in your name, but it is not yours. He owes everything. He owns everything, and we owe him everything. And so the secret to managing money well is to not run away from wealth, but to put wealth under submission to the lordship of Jesus. And so to start off this foundation, God owns everything. It's all his, and even 
that which is in your possession is really his. You are just a steward of it. You're holding on to it for him. You are managing it for him, but it is his. Now, after establishing that none of what we have is our own, but it's the Lord's and all of it is for him, we also have to come back around and double down on this idea that, that God gives the wealth to us as a gift. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 is a precious verse of mine, and it encompasses many things, but one thing it does encompass is also wealth. Is, he says this, what do we have that we did not receive? And if you're familiar with the parable of the talents, the, the master gives each servant a different amount. They didn't earn it, but they were given it, and they're then accountable to what they did with what they were given. Let me bring our attention back to even Genesis Abraham is given much blessing. And why? What's the purpose? So that he can be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. But what I want to emphasize is that he was given these gifts from God. All is from God and all is owned by God. Now, with those two foundational points established that everything is owned by God and that God gives these gifts to people, we want to now establish that wealth is dangerous. The Bible nowhere says that wealth in and of itself is sin. God never says that, that simply having money is sinful, but it's dangerous. Gifts can be dangerous, even though they are good. Let's look at Mark 10, 23. Jesus says this, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Do do you hear that language? We, We almost always think of wealth as a blessing. I'm so blessed to have this and this and that. Do we ever stop to actually think it could actually be a barrier? That, that's what Jesus is saying. Wealth can be a barrier to the kingdom. Wealth can keep you out of heaven. Why do we want so badly to make it harder for us to be in heaven? It is dangerous and difficult to enter the kingdom of God. It's, it's like putting a giant camel, which was a huge beast for their uh, mind, in their perspective at that time, it was a huge beast. They didn't see a lot of the beasts that we know of today. And he said, take that huge beast and try to cram it through an eye of the needle. And what is his point? The point is that it's impossible. We need God. And so why do we want so badly to put, in our, put, in ourself, put ourselves in a position to make it hard for us? Now, that is not to say that we should not have wealth or not even desire to make more of it for the right reasons. But what is important to say that it is dangerous. And I think for some people, this is overemphasized to where they shy away from all wealth in any reason, for any purpose, and therefore they hinder their ability to be a blessing. And on the other spectrum, there, we're, such a, we're so emphasized the good gifts that God gives us that we forget that wealth is dangerous. And so a bunch of people can be walking around claiming all the good gifts of God and damning their souls to hell in the process because they don't realize that wealth is dangerous. Let me touch on 1 Timothy 6.10. It's a famously misquoted passage. Paul says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Notice that he doesn't say money is evil. 
but it's a root of all kinds of evils. Not money, but the love of money. And so love of money should only be subordinate to love for God and love for people. And so your desire and my desire for wealth should only be to the service of loving God and loving people more. And that's the issue is because we start to love money for all the things it can do for us and all the blessings and all the gifts for us rather than knowing that wealth should be flowing through us. And we're going to touch on that in this next session. Wealth is temporary but has eternal ramifications. Let's read Matthew 6, 19 through 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves they break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now let's unpack this passage a little bit. The passage, Jesus commands us to store up treasures. He's not against investment. He commands us to do it. He says, stop storing up treasures in the wrong place and start storing up in the right place. Notice his reasoning. Store up treasures in heaven. Why? Not because it's morally right, nor, no, because it's smart. Hear hear that again. It's not because it's right, because it's smart, because it's going to last. It won't be consumed by moth, rust, or thieves. That's Jesus' whole logic in this passage. Don't be an idiot. Don't put money in a place where you won't be able to have it in the future. Don't, you, you look at the different pharaohs and the kings who have been buried with their treasures. They cannot take it with them. And so Jesus is just basically saying, hey, logically, guys, let's just be smart. I want good for you. Stop putting up money in places where you have no access to them. But rather, store up treasure In heaven. I love this statement. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. See, this is the profound, life-changing mindset here. You can't take it with you, but you could send it ahead. I I got this from Randy Alcorn. I love this statement. Uh, You can't take the resources and the money and the stocks and the possessions and the nice house with you to heaven, but you can live in such an open-handed way on earth that you are sending ahead treasure in heaven, treasure that will not fade, treasure that will matter 100 years from now. And on that note, you know, you, you meet with financial planners. I have a financial planner, so I'm, I'm not against saving and, and investments. But when, you, when it comes down to think about your money, they say, don't think just the week ahead or a few months ahead. Think 30 years, right? And that's a big issue why people struggle saving for retirement because it's so far ahead. We have to be so, we have to delay gratification. We have to take a chunk of our income right now because we have to think about how we're going to live. And the reality is it, people's life expectancies, at least in the West, are becoming longer and longer. And so there's an issue where people are running out of money because they did not expect them to live the, as long as they have. And Christ, so Christ is the ultimate investment counselor, and he takes it so much further. He says, don't just ask yourself, how will this investment be paying off in 30 years? Ask, how would this investment be paying off in 30 million years? And so Jesus is looking out for our good. He wants us to invest in a way that matters 30 million years from now, not just in your twilight years on this earth. And so money is a gift from God, that can help us increase our treasure in Christ forever. 
or it can be our downfall and help us find our treasure on earth. And as a result, we miss heaven. Next point, money reveals and guides our hearts. So my greatest concern when we talk about money is, is not money, but, but our hearts. And if you want to know where your heart is, look where we're spending our money. That's where our hearts belong. Let me say that again. If you want to know where your heart is, look at what you're spending your money on. Your money is a direct line to your heart. Really, what you spend your time and your money is often a great measurement of where your heart is. In other, in other words, what we treasure most, what we prioritize, what we truly, what is truly our God. Not what we say is our God. For how many people on the street can we say, oh yeah, God, we'll, we'll say, yeah, Jesus is Lord and God is first in my life, then family, then work and, and whatever it is. But what if you really want to test for who is the king? How do we spend our time? How do we spend our money? Going back to Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. And so the more we invest into heaven, the more we want to be in heaven. The more we invest on earth, the more we will want to put our roots down here. And so for all of us who struggle like I do and just want to have the nicer house and nicer things, the more we do that, the more we're investing into this temporary age. See, it, 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 money not only prioritize, shows our heart's prioritization and what we treasure, it also shapes us. It also directs us. If we always think about money in a way to get more stuff for us, then our hearts will continually be bent inward, thinking about ourselves. On the, on the contrary, if we take step, steps, steps of faith and give to others, our hearts will become more like Jesus's. That is outward facing and considering, as Philippians 2 says, considering others more important than ourselves. So money is a direct revealer of our hearts, but also is a tool to guide our hearts. And so oftentimes, if I see an area of my life where I care little, so whether it's unreached people groups or maybe sex tra traffic victims, th th that in my mind, I know that they value, but my heart hasn't really followed. You know, we all have things like that, that we hear about some tragic news and we're like, oh, that sucks. And then the back of my mind, uh, back of our mind, if we're not cal too callous, we think, I should probably feel more. I should probably care more. And, and so money is a great tutor and a director of our hearts. And we'll talk about more about this in our next talk on giving. And so let me conclude this this foundational talk on finances and wealth. Most Christians have laid up their treasures on earth. And I, and I can say that pretty confidently. And consequently, every day that brings them closer to death. It takes them further from their treasures. They end up backing into eternity, not wanting to let go of the mud pies they've accumulated using the terminology of C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory and how he says how we can't imagine a holiday at the seas or, or just put it in more simple language, we can't imagine, uh, like the kid who cannot imagine this just great cruise and he settles for 
mud pies in the slums. He, he settles for worm pie and little nothings because he can't imagine all the greater things in the world. In a similar way, we have all of us, including myself, and there's an eye in that, we have given ourselves to so many mud pies when God has a banquet for us. I, I, there's this one story from A.W. Pink where he talks about we're all going to have a sense of realization right when we enter into heaven when we realize we could have lived like princes, but we live like paupers on the earth. And he's not talking about wealth and talking about nice amenities, but he's talking about we could have had more of Christ, but we settled for less because we couldn't give up the treasures of the earth. So Christ calls us to turn it around store up treasures in heaven. So instead of backing up away from our treasures, the longer we live, because we're investing in the, these treasures that will bring us to death, we're actually moving towards our treasures. Every day we live for Christ. We are moving things ahead. We're moving towards our ultimate treasure. That is Christ. He who spends his life moving away from his treasures has reason to despair. But listen, he who spends his life moving towards his treasures has reason to to rejoice. If you are following and trusting in Jesus, you have never been closer to our ultimate treasure, and that is Jesus. And our money, our possessions are either pointing us and helping us fuel our direction towards Jesus, or it's hindering our direction towards Jesus. And so let me finish this time with this question that you can sit on, that I can sit on. Are we moving towards our treasure or away from them. In other words, is our use of wealth helping us move towards the greatest treasure in the world, that is Jesus, or is it helping move us away from the greatest treasure, Jesus?